0: We normally have been preaching through books of the Bible, but we're in a mini-series of sorts, 12 weeks, where we're hitting topics that you guys decided you wanted to hear, and um, that's a little bit different kind of preaching than I'm used to, about hitting a text and going through it, but I'm still preaching these from the Word of God, and today we're going to talk about technology. Is that a good or a bad thing? I'm not the hugest tech nerd out there. Um, Like most of you, my children know much more about technology than I do. They can solve a problem much quicker than I can. But I do, I have some cool gadgets. Maybe the neatest piece of technology I have, the newest thing is something you don't have. I have a Milwaukee jacket that has a battery that actually heats up like a warm blanket. And so I can hit the button up here, turn it on, and it's like, you know, when you sit down in your seat, some of you, and you turn on the the seat heater and it just kind of envelops you? I have a jacket like that. I love my fireplace at my house. I get to go hit a button, an instant fireplace, instant romance, right, baby? (laughs) Just like that. Just turn that fireplace on. But sometimes, technology gets out of hand. Yesterday, true story. If you notice the weather, wasn't it awesome? It's like spring is flirting with us. It'll probably go away. But it was there, and I had the opportunity to go eat with some friends at a house up near Table Rock with my wife. So imagine the opportunities to leave the house drive up through the mountains, enjoying the nice sunshine, holding a hand with one hand and driving with the other, having some conversation, no kids in the back seat for us right now. It was, could have been instant date. Nope. Before I pulled out of my driveway, I had already turned on my phone to a lecture from a CCF course that I needed to listen to. So somehow Laura and I were going to drive through the nice mountains listening to a CCEF lecture. Before I left the neighborhood, I also downloaded an app or got on my Maps app to make sure that I knew the direction. So now I'm going to have uh, the, the lecture going on with directions on turn right, turn left, all at the same time. Less than three miles down the road, Laura asked me a question that involved me then getting online and calling a 1-800 number that I looked up on my Safari screen on my phone while I'm driving, listening to the audio podcast. And I stayed on hold for probably 20 minutes listening to the hold music before they finally came on and we engaged in a conversation. And by the time we got there, that's when I hung up. And what had happened? That beautiful drive with my bride through the mountains had just been really messed up by the use of technology. And I think that's a microcosm of my life. Some of the best days that I get to enjoy are when I go on a cruise ship and I'm too cheap to pay for the expert service on the digital front. So I get unplugged. I read more books. I surf the web less. On that little TV in our rooms, because we don't pay for the big dog rooms on those cruise ships, it's not worth watching the movies that they have too much. You're just kind of there in the moment. You, your bride, your God, nature, sweet days. And i got to think that I need to learn from that. And that there's absolutely nothing that keeps me in bondage to technology today other than Me because I'm not an addict according to Jesus Christ. I have this power within to make really good decisions for me and my household, and yet I keep whining about it, and then I keep going back to the drug. And then I whine about it, and I keep going back to the drug, and I can't figure out why it doesn't make me happy, but that doesn't keep me from whining about it and doing what? Going back to the drug. And this week, I I really find an internal motivation that I want to live my life differently. I don't know that I want to study as much from the digital access for me, as much as I do back in my books. I don't know that I want to type all week long. Maybe I want to think and write, and then at the end, type my notes for posterity. I don't know that I want to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you. I want to be there for emergencies. I want to be available, but I don't know that I want to text a response back to you within two minutes of when you... Send me a text, and Dan Polster right now is laughing because he's going, you never respond to my text. <laughs> I don't know that I want those dings all the time or even those little circles that say notification. I think I'd like to read three times more books this year because I turn off Netflix at night. I want to enjoy Laura more. I want to enjoy my God more. And maybe the biggest thing that gets in my way is God's gift of technology. So let's go there and see what we can learn. And basically, I have this sermon divided up into three sections. Technology and thanksgiving, technology and lamentation, technology and wisdom. So if you can't figure that out, we're going to rejoice in the Lord for the technology he's given. We're going to cry over how we've abused it or how it abuses us. And then we're going to talk about some principles maybe so that we become masters of technology instead of mastered by it. What did God desire in the beginning? God created men and women that they would be in his image, that they would worship him, that they would love one another, that they would make babies, make disciples, and that those disciples would then go out over all the earth and that they would subdue the earth, bring it under dominion that they they would just organize and manage it well for the glory of God, the good of their brothers and sisters, and in the enjoyment that you get from just enjoying God's good paradise that he created. That's what God desired, and so God created man in his image, and therefore that means that the creator made little creators. Now, he's the creator, and I I think the illustration that I like is he made the sandbox and all the sand within out of nothing, and he's the only one who can do that, but then he calls upon us now to go into the sandbox, and we get to use our minds, we get to imagine, we get to dream, we get to think, we get to try things, we get to play, we get to engage in science and discover, and then we get to create our own things. We even get to create tools to help us create things. And that is what technology is. Technology is a tool that we use for a higher purpose. It's not something we serve, but it's something that God allows us to create, to produce in order to worship Him and love our neighbors. And so if you would read here in Isaiah 54, one verse I want to pull out from the Old Testament says this, Behold, I have created... The smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I also have created the ravager to destroy. Do you see the sovereignty of God there? I have done something. What have I done, says God? I have created a person who's a what? A smith. Someone who who has created the ability to work with metals so that he might then take those metals and create tools of the trade, tools of of warfare. I'm the one who does that, says God. I'm the one who created the people who would create technology. God's not embarrassed at that. And so there are men and women with all kind of different gifts. Some are philosophers, some are theologians, some can work with their hands and produce things, some... God just has all kind of different people that he creates. And those people create tools for the glory of God. They are makers made by God. So what did God oversee in the Bible? Where do you see technology? Is it a bad thing? It's not a bad thing at all. He creates men who can create tools because they want to worship God, because they want to love their neighbors, They want to lessen some of the effects of the curse. And God is a God of common grace. And so he allows believers and unbelievers to think of ways to make life better, easier, more profitable, more enjoyable. And so men have created tools like shovels, guitars, knives, swords, spears, wells. In the Bible, we see them creating an ark and then putting pitch around the ark to keep it waterproof. God allows men to create bricks, armor. Even David was gifted with a piece of technology. Goliath had his, do you remember? It was the big armor, the big sword, the spear. What was David's technology? The slingshot. All of this is borrowing from the mind of God. God has allowed men to create the will, the printing press, the steam engine, heat, air condition, lighting. We've used microphones, keyboards up here today. There's facial recognition software. There's trains, planes, and automobiles, nuclear plants, robotic vacuum cleaners, which we can't find ours right now. It's gone missing. True story. Guns are tools of God. X-ray machines, surgical instruments, medicines, 3D printers, microchip processors. I learned this week that there is more energy in a microprocessor per square inch than in the sun. Tools like iPhones, iPads, iWatches, and MacBooks, the Internet, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and even TikTok are all technologies under the sovereign gaze of God, created by men made in his image for good purposes, we think. He even makes radio stations, television stations, and the technology to receive the input. So what's the proper response when we look at technology? Not humanistic glee. We're not supposed to look and say, Oh, aren't we great? Isn't humanity evolving? Aren't we little gods who now control our own destiny and given enough time, we will make ourselves happy. God will now be be non important to us, unimportant to us. That's not what we're supposed to do with technology. Neither are we supposed to fear it as if it's something bad like the Amish do. The Amish would say, hey, if it's not old, it's not good. If it's easy, it must be bad. If it plugs in, it must be of the devil. And there are some who are of an eschatological bent that they just are absolutely sure that technology is only a tool in the hands of the devil. That's just not true. Technology allows people to be watching right now who can't be here. The Vrys and the Heisers are able to hear and watch and participate. Ralph Bass is able to study for Sunday school lessons because of technology, because his eyes allow him to see that which is larger print on the screen than in a book. Technology is a gift from God, and we are to understand in Ephesians 1 that God works all things out according to the counsel of his will, and that includes politics last week and technology this week. In Hebrews 1, it says that Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. There's nothing happening that's not under the sovereign gaze of God. And let me finish reading that passage here in Isaiah 54. Behold, I created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy, but no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. One man writes, apart from Christ. There is no art, no science, no technology, no agriculture, no microprocessor, and no medical innovation. Yes, apart from Christ, we would have no iPhones. Nothing that now exists, visible or invisible, can exist if it first didn't exist in the mind of the Creator. And so we sit here as Christians, and we recognize the sovereign rule of God. We recognize the common grace of God as he allows things to soften the effects of the fall for us, thorns and thistles. We can produce food easier than we once did. We can live in peace more, I mean, in comfort more than we used to. We recognize God's providence, and we also recognize that man's technology does not threaten God. Really? I mean, consider what happened with Babel. The building of this tower, we're going to rise up to God. And when he wants to, they're gone. They're separated. Oh, we've got Pharaoh and his army and those chariots. Those things don't work really well when God decides to close the sea down upon their heads. We have Jericho in the wall. It falls upon them. God is not threatened by technology. Jesus is Lord of Silicon Valley. Jesus has always been Lord of Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, and even Elon Musk. Even the iron gates of hell can't stand against Jesus. There's no need for fear. You can have faith, and that should lead you to gratitude. Thomas Torrance, a Scottish professor, writes, God also teaches us through the catechism of science. The scientist becomes the priest of creation, whose office is to interpret the books of nature written by the finger of God, to unravel the universe into its marvelous patterns and symmetries, and to bring it all into orderly articulation in such a way that it fulfills its proper end as the vast theater of glory in which the Creator is worshipped and hymned and praised by His preachers. We recognize what God is doing, and it causes us to worship. We recognize the benefits of technology to give, gives as we're able to, 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 to surf the web, check out Facebook, learn what our friends are doing, and when we see them face-to-face, be able to engage in conversation even more about something we saw online. We have opportunities to pray because of social media and technology. As we're able to give thanks to God, or as we see some bitter post and we can pray for our brother who needs to mellow out a little bit. We have opportunities to, to see a need and support by giving a meal using Meal Train. This is where prayer chains come from. We can donate money, we can kickstart businesses, we can even use digital media or technology to win the nations. I don't know if you know what Andrew Chabasinga is doing right now, but Andrew Chabasinga may may have more vision and faith than this whole church combined. Here is this guy who works two jobs trying to save money, putting together a coalition that wants to buy a TV station and a radio station in Uganda so that the gospel may go out, that they could have their own Ligonier ministries right there, and that he can control what thousands of people hear, That's his dream. That's his vision. And the Lord may use him to accomplish that. But that's not going to happen apart from giving thanks to God for technology. Yes, we recognize that we can use it to teach and evangelize, that it, it makes life easier. It makes our work more efficient. We can better communicate with each other, and we can even live in comfort and luxury because of God's good blessings. We would be wrong not to give him thanks for the technology that he has given to us. It is not bad. And further, I would encourage you young people to invest your life in technology. Now, what do I mean by that? Somebody's got to discover general revelation. Somebody's got to go play in God's sandbox. Not every one of you can be a preacher who goes in the word of God and minds out truth from there. Someone has to be the doctor, the engineer the builder, the mechanic, the chemist, the biologist. This is why it's so important that you figure out your gifts, that you maximize the time, and that you go deep. For technology is a gift from God that he gives the ability to some people to design it. Your education matters. And so go deep. See what God might have you invent. For his glory, for his worship and the good of your neighbors. But there are reasons to lament. Technology often results in tragedy. In the Bible, a man is swinging an ax, the ax head comes off and harms someone else. Technology hurts sometimes. If you construct a plane and you ride with Walker, you may make it there. You may not, it may crash. The same is true if you get in a boat. It's a blessing from God, a piece of technology that sails until it sinks. Electricity can allow you to set lights in the front of your house that shine brightly during the Christmas time. And if you're messing with the cords when it's wet, it give you a little shock as well. Yes, technology can be good or harmful, It also can be good or evil. Technology often results in false worship. Back in the day of the Bible, much worship was for Pharaoh or Nebuchadnezzar or Caesar. Today we do worship at the altar of Elon Musk, of the Tesla family, of the Gates family and other people who have brought technology to us. We want to read their books. We want to watch their movies. We want to work in their companies. We are desperate even to organize our churches sometimes around those startup things that bloomed. Hey, maybe if we had leadership principles like they could, then we could do something special for Jesus too. Technology leads to self-confidence where we don't need God as much as we think we do. We imagine world peace, inner peace, planetary Stability, and even eternal life if you're Walt Disney. And we reduce our time in the Bible, talking to God there, in prayer, talking to God there, and even assembling in worship. Technology has this effect in which it turns our eyes from the Creator to ourselves like this, we are all we need. It results in false worship, but it also results in neighbor abuse just like the famous story when Frankenstein was created. They didn't create that monster to hurt people. But ultimately, that's exactly what happened. Weapons can be used in just war or unjust war. Medicine can save a life or take a baby. Surgeries can switch out organs or switch out gender parts. Facial recognition can help you get through the airport quicker Or you can be like those in Hong Kong who are now taking saws to poles to take down cameras because they feel that the facial recognition software of China is hindering their abilities to to pursue human rights. Video technology can bless friends, like I mentioned, like the Vries and the Heisers right now. And it harmed some of you men and your children last night when no one was watching. Roundup causes weeds. It kills weeds, but it also causes cancer. How great is the neighbor abuse. We harm people with slander. We harm people by being immodest and tempting them to be immodest with us. We harm people by presenting this false view of ourselves that makes them wonder, does God not like me? We hate people and we abuse them through technology. And it often results in also self-abuse, that addiction that we're talking about. The average time American people spend on social media is, do you know how much? Have you looked at your stats on your iPhone? 13 hours, 1300 hours on average. That's three to four hours a day. And yet we don't have time for what? Fill in the blank, but three to four hours on day is the average time people spend on social media. It causes accidents while you're driving, it deprives you of sleep because you're seeing that blue light until the last possible second and you're hearing those dings and dings and you got to watch one more video before you go to bed it gives you increased anxiety it feeds the hedonism in you as you are lusting for that body or you've absolutely got to have that product it encourages gambling it encourages pornography it allows you to boast and be arrogant as you present your veneer or your avatar or your fake you that you want the world to see, including me, i do that. Don't think for a moment that when I send a post or something that I'm not thinking, how will this make me look? It actually ends up isolating you because you end up having all of these friends, but you, it's, it's kind of your fake self talking to their fake self as opposed to real friendship when you're getting to know the nitty-gritty and the dirty and you're seeing the flaws. It's kept many people from coming back to church. One big church in town has stopped the live feed of their services. They had so many people that during the COVID thing got comfortable sitting there in their slippers and pajamas watching online. They couldn't get the people back together to worship, so they finally said, we're going to record, but we're showing it two days later. You want the live stuff? Come be live with us. There's soaring depression rates of people who say, I do not have this or I am not that. There's bitterness. Is God good to everyone else but me? How much misinformation is spread by false media and false ministers? Not only do we lose sleep, but the eye strain, the shallow breathing, the bad posture. Digital media, misused, can be bad for our health. Our work rates are going down. Students can have a hard time studying now because they, they, they always have these interruptions. We ruin our own reputations and others online. We add guilt. And even if you look now at the, what's going on in Congress, If we have the U.S. Surgeon General this week asking the question out loud, do we need legislation on social media? Because even unbelievers are saying, younger than 13, it's incredibly harmful. It actually warps the mind as the dopamine hits and they're not yet prepared to respond properly. I know in my own family, the ability to learn really went downhill during this technological age that we've been on. Why? Because you don't have to learn. You just have to know how to ask Google. And the joyless dissatisfaction. One man wrote, human innovation is a wonderful gift, but it's a disappointing God. And then one of my great regrets is I miss my family. I would go back and do things different because I want to talk to them and sing with them. And if we're going to watch movies, watch movies with them and go on walks with them. And, And we didn't do everything wrong. Laura and I tried to be good parents, but I just miss it. And I'm promising you, I'm not looking forward to the day when I have my granddaughter and we're both sitting on the sofa and she's looking at her phone and I'm looking at mine. That doesn't sound like grandfatherly bliss to me. Enjoy that life with them and yet if Gordon takes people on a trip and says hey we want you to turn in your iPhones in order so we can have great continuity everything gets in an uproar sometimes because well, we can't do that there are many sins of commission and omission that hit us and we know this so so far I don't think that this has been a cutting-edge sermon I just felt the need to make sure you know technology wasn't bad even though it can be used badly. So therefore, finally, how do we worship? Whether we eat or drink or watch TV or drive cars or surf the web, we do it all to the glory of God, which means that we've got to repent. Apart from God, we are text savvy fools. Some of you know the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, but his father, Ray, wrote If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. But I like the quote of Jeremiah. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns from themselves, broken cisterns that can't hold water. So I want to repent, in the words of David, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. That's technology. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. And so what does this look like? Fleeing from sin. I don't care what it is. If it's really, really good, but it's enabling your sin, your love for God called you to, to put that aside, to walk away from it. If you can't practice something and pursue God, you need to say no to it. David writes, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And so here is Joseph who's serving under Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, and all's good until it wasn't. And when Potiphar's wife came at him, Joseph decided, I'll stand here and fight for a while. But finally, when the temptation got too tough, what did he do? He took off. In Proverbs chapter 9, you have this young man who is walking down the road. And on one side is Lady Wisdom saying, come to me, come to me. I've got wisdom for you. But on the other side is Lady Folly who's saying, come to me. And there's probably nothing wrong with the road. But in the book of Proverbs it says, he who sees the danger ahead and keeps walking, that person's a fool. And so there just has to come a time when you say it's, okay, it's a good gift from God, but it's not good for me to have that good gift of God. And I especially speak to men here because I'm a man. There's probably been nothing that has harmed my spiritual life more than technology. All of my life, whenever I wanted to find sin, it was right there. And if that's your situation in life, You don't have a dispassionate pastor who's holier than thou, who doesn't understand. You got three guys on staff, Joe, Scott, and Gordon, who are ready to talk to any of you. We'll help hold you accountable. We'll help you get filters on your stuff. Whatever you need, we will be there. We will even help you trade in your smartphone for a flip phone if we have to. But sometimes we have to flee from sin. 1 Corinthians 6:12 says this, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So let's talk about the sun. Good gift of God. In moderation or else you come back with skin cancer on the top of your balding head. I'm going to have to start wearing a hat now. The Lord is taking my hairs away. The same could be true with alcohol. The same could be true with food. The same can be true with any form of technology. You have to set priorities. Because I desire that which is best, I need to say no to that which is good or allowable. Sometimes you have to take the road less taken. You have to prove that you're the master of something, which means sometimes you need to detox or fast. And you need to model this for your children who are watching, that you're just not someone yanked around by technology, but the technology is your tool for you to use for God's glory and their good, and you can put it away. It's not a running chainsaw tethered to your ankle everywhere you go. And you need to protect your loved ones. Yes, it's good for you to say, if I sin, I'm going to flee. And it's good for you to say, and I prefer that which is best, so I'm going to say no to that which is good, and I'm not going to practice. And now you have a further responsibility of saying no for those who may not have the maturity to say no. Your children are playing in a minefield. Minds are good when you want to defend yourself. The field is good. Children playing in an active minefield without maturity is not good. Technology is quite often like that nine millimeter that some of you praise. You love them, you want more of them. You like this whole thing about buying gun after gun after gun, but you don't let your six year old run around with it. Why? Because that gun that you like that is good, that can be used for self-defense, is very, very d- dangerous to the person who doesn't have the maturity. So you have to ask yourself the question: What can my children handle? How do I love them? Who is influencing my family? How am I allowing sin into the house? And so last Sunday night at the Franks' house, we were there watching the Super Bowl. It was my decision, was her name Rihanna, to let Rihanna in my house. My decision to watch her vulgar moves as she did her little dance and as the camera took the big close-up zoom and, uh, wait, I, that, that was my decision. So you go to the Grammys and you can have people worshiping Satan That's bad. You can have the Grammys paying them to worship Satan. That's bad. You can have CBS sponsoring it. That's bad. And Pfizer paying for it. That's all just bad. They shouldn't do that. But none of that bad has any effect on your family unless what? You bring it in the house. And so we wouldn't think about it live, but digitally, this is how we live our life. It's all there, and it's our job to take action. It's our job to protect our family, and we don't just remove things. In one of the books I read this week, they talk about the importance of you then filling it with good things. It's not that you want to say no, 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 no to all of your family. You want to just provide something that's good, that's better, that's wholesome, that way outshines the smut of this world. And so I have written down here, choose fellowship over isolation with your family. Instead of being in different rooms, do whatever you're going to do together so that when you're watching a movie, you're doing it together. When you're listening to music, you're doing it together. When you're surfing, you're doing it together. When you're laughing at social media posts, doing it together. And even if you want to make a TikTok dance, do it for the glory of God, for China, together. Choose fellowship over isolation. Choose definite times over indefinite usage. That means it's just not on all the time. We define when we're open and when we're not for business. Choose publicity over privacy. Know each other's passwords. Know each other's history. Never delete your files of where you've been. Oh, I know, kids, you got secrets. There are apps that you got that can hide all kinds of things, and you're smarter than your parents anyways. But at least if they do that, they're doing it against parents who are standing for Christ saying we're going to do the best that we possibly can. Choose fellowship over isolation, definite times over indefinite usage, publicity over privacy, filter over non-filter, accountability over non-accountability. I might tell you choose maturation over elimination. Why would I say that? If you have a sophomore in high school, they are 36 months away from maybe going to college, if that's where the Lord is leading them. And when they go there, they will have all the delights of the world for themselves to choose and consider, with or without mom or dad. And so, therefore, part of our job, yes, is to keep the guns out of children who don't know how to use them, but part of our job is maybe to teach our children how to use them properly. I just picked guns. I hope some of you aren't going to get all offended about that and miss the whole point of the message. How about we change it? Teach them how to swim. Yeah, the deep end's really bad for toddlers, but the goal when we were a young couple in Florida where pools are everywhere was to have our child in swim lessons before the age of two. Our child could actually fall, Joseph could fall in the pool, roll over, and kind of comfortably just make his way to the side until he grabbed it before the age of two. Oh, that's dangerous. Don't you know that could kill him? Yes! And it was going to be a part of his life from that point forward. And so therefore, Yes, we want to keep evil from coming into our house. Or yes, we want to keep our children from falling. But some point along the way, you're going to have to loosen up. And all the kids are going, amen, Pastor Joe. I'm not going to judge you. You've got to go before the Lord and make your own decisions, mom and dad. Just know you're going to have to train them to live in a technological, digital world so that they can stand tall for the glory of Christ And you may want them making their mistakes and committing their sins in your house so that you can treat them with the grace of God and help them be restored before they go out to the world and are either killed by antinomianism or legalism. But I will agree with you, Mom and Dad. Choose safety over sin, it is dangerous and you absolutely must do what you need to to protect your children. But other than that, what do we do? We now, for the rest of our days, worship, love, utilize, and enjoy. It is God who created bread, and it's man who learned the technology of turn. uh, God created wheat, and man learned the technology to turn into bread. God created olive, and we learned the press to make olive oil. God creates the grapes, and we figured out how to make wine. Jesus did it easier than we did. Technology is so good. We get to communicate better, keep up with friends, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. We get to evangelize. We get to journal. We get to drive without being lost. And, yes, we even get to take classes online. We get to laugh at jokes and funny videos, share photos. Because of technology, we get to learn we get to inform others. We get to teach. We get to worship. We can actually see songs, the lyrics, and sing. Because of technology, two friends put together a song, sent it out early, and some of us came ready to sing that song today. We can protect one another. We can shop. We can entertain. Let me, end you with this. Let me leave you with these two quotes. If you take science too seriously and make it your savior, It will poison you to the grave. But find your deliverance and joy in the presence of the glorious Savior, and you are in place to set science free from the serious things of salvation and eternity, so the innovation can become the spontaneous and joyful exploration of all that it was meant to be, the eager study and cultivation of the sandbox we call creation, an intentionally designed gift from the generous Creator we cannot help but worship forever. So whether you eat, drink, or use your favorite form of technology, do it all for the glory of God. And now I encourage you to act. It's not that hard, Joe. Put the phone down. Turn the phone off. Leave the phone in the closet. Get the Internet filter. Stop your Netflix uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Netflix. Subscription. We're not in bondage to these things if we're in Christ. We just choose to live like we're in bondage to them. So make some good decisions. Netflix isn't evil. Don't think we're getting rid of it. We like it. But it's not our God. It doesn't satisfy. It's just a tool. Let's worship Christ well.